Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me on this week's episode is Darby Robinson. Darby, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Just very happy the Rays are out of Seattle and back to uh, playing like the Tampa Bay Rays that we know and love. Yeah, four wins out of six uh, in in this homestand. The two games in which Wander Franco got hits were both losses. And he went hitless in all four of the wins that happened uh, consecutively. But overall, I really enjoyed watching Wander with with the big league squad this week. I was there for Tuesday's game. Uh, Darby, what were your first impressions of seeing of seeing Wander in the in the big leagues? Oh, he he's got unbelievable poise. Like I think <laughs> the thing with Wander Franco is that he is practically a, a folk legend already. Because if you think about it, until this year. Uh, there really hasn't been like a high quality vid- visual f- footage of him playing baseball in like real games against real competition. We've had single A and rookie ball and it's like like fans with cell phone cameras and it's just like this legendary person who would just like appear out of the, the cornfields, smash some home runs from both sides, do an amazing defensive play and people were like talking him up and nobody really got a chance to like actually see him. And like witness him, you know, we, we would get these, you know, anybody that did couldn't stop talking about it, but it was this sort of almost folk hero status. 2020 is a lost year. He's at the alternate site. So it's even more of a mystery. And then this year we finally get to see him against top level competition. And he is as advertised the, some of the fastest hands, like I, his bat speed is incredible. And his plate discipline and maturity and just the fact he just carries himself like he belongs in the major leagues that he's been there for years. Like there is this un, I have to catch myself that he's 20, right? Like his, his very first at bat in the major leagues after playing what, like 25 games of triple a above the single a level, he goes down. Oh, two after, you know, some nice healthy hacks at strikes in the zone. And then he just does not swing at any pitch outside of the zone. First major league at bat, and he draws, goes from 0-2 to a walk. That is just unbelievable levels of just plate coverage, zone knowledge, discipline, and baseball IQ. It's just, it's really, that was like one of those things where it's like, yes, later on in the game, he, he has a moment that, Everybody gets to, 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 you know, amazing highlight, but like that was like the, Oh yeah, he's ready. He's ready to add to that mystique. Like the one home run he hit in big league spring training this year. It's like, we didn't even have like stat cast data on it. He just hit it. We don't know where it landed. It's like, like you said, and I, and Alex Murphy was on the show last week too. And he was saying the same thing. Like there's just this mystique surrounding him and it all built up to this moment on Tuesday. He gets called up. We, it breaks that he gets called up on, on Sunday. I know that, uh, I don't know, I, I guess your spidey senses were kind of tingling. You were going into a big homestand. You had an off day. It was around that time of the year where we think the Super 2 deadline has probably passed. Uh, it seemed like a time for either Franco or Brujan or who knows, maybe both. It ended up being Wander Franco called up on on for the, for the series against Boston. Uh, he shows up to the trop in a Rolls Royce <laughs> looking awesome. Uh, you see him hug Taylor Walls as he walks into the locker room for the first time as his Durham teammate for a brief stint, a guy that Taylor Walls is maybe thinking, is he going to take my job as a shortstop? I don't think he is, but well, for now he is with, with Walls on the IL. 
Um, but like you said, yeah, stepping into that box, the first at bat just looks so comfortable. And we've seen all like Taylor Walls very much the same way. Like these guys are going to work a lot of full counts. I'm not comparing Taylor Walls hitting acumen to that of Juan Franco's, but they're, they're in terms of their approach at the plate, very similar. And I, I was at that game on Tuesday and it's been a long time since I was at a big game at the Trop. It was, it was the long, first time in a long time I was at the Trop. I hadn't been to a game in over two years. Um, but I hadn't been to like I haven't been to a playoff game since 2008. I've been to a couple big Yankees and Red Sox games where you know it had that big game feel, but it was nothing like what it was on Tuesday when there was only 13,000 and change in the stadium. Um, but it got incredibly loud. Uh, a loud 13,000 is is a lot. Like the, the 13,000 that were there on Tuesday was just such a different experience than a regular 13,000 that you might get at the Trop on a on a Friday game or something like that. And uh, yeah, when he hit that home run, landed about 30 feet from my seat in left field. And it was one of the best moments I've had at the Trop. I think even though the Rays game or the Rays ended up losing that game, I was just, it was just great. And I hope I felt a little weird doing giving a standing ovation to a 20-year-old that had never played in the big leagues. It's like I don't really know how to, this is a player that's younger than me. Now there's a second Ray to be younger than me, but ultimately I think Wander, there's no, there's no hiding the hype, right? You you can't put the brakes on the hype train. Like it's full steam ahead. He's going to have to either live with it. And this, this week I think was everything that we, we wanted to see out of Wander. Great defense. I know he went over 17 or whatever, uh, but. Hawking knows. Yeah, definitely. You can check uh, drew a bunch second. of walks and and ultimately looked great defensively too at third base at the start of the week and then moved over to shortstop. They still haven't given him an off day. I thought maybe at some point this week he was going to get a day off. He played he's played every game, two games at third, and then everything else at, at shortstop. And he just looks really comfortable in the field too. And it's he's never been thought of as a glove first prospect. And so I think in my head, it's like you, when you've got guys like Vidal Brujan and Taylor Walls, that maybe are more well-renowned as, as fielders. I wasn't expecting much out of Wander defensively, and he comes out with a great double play on Tuesday and has made a number of great plays since. And yeah, again, you know, you, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to get the expectations too high, but I think Rays fans should be really, really happy with what they saw of him this week and what he's going to show for the, for the rest of the season. So with Wander, there is like that big concern, right? You mentioned it. If there's like the hype, like I, the Rays have never had a player this hyped by far. Like David Price, Evan Longoria, you know, Blake's nothing. Nobody comes close. I mean, this is, I don't know if there's been a prospect this hyped, even like Vlad Guerrero Jr. was like all eyes on him. But right. this, this guy, it's been like MLB had like a special category of just Wander news. Like this, I've never heard so many of my friends that are fans of every other team that are just like dialed in, like who knows like this much about any prospect and like Vlad Jr. was, well, he was Vladimir Guerrero's son, you know, <laughs> Fernando Tatis is Fernando Tatis's son. Like there is like Wander's a just Willie like, Ibar's nephew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, like you don't, there's not that like built in like fandom of like, wow, Vlad Guerrero is a hall of famer and I can't wait to see what his son does. Same like with like Prince Fielder when, when you had like, Oh, the son of a, a major league star, this is just the guy who's building his stardom on his own. And 
I do kind of feel like he just carries himself with, he is going to be the person that's challenging himself to be better. I don't think he's going to let the hype get in there. Like he should, like you said, he showed up in a roles. He is the guy that's, I think has the standards of what he wants to be. And that's what he's going to worry about. He's not going to worry about, you know, people tweeting about him, people trying to say like whatever about him or ESPN covering him. I don't think any of that's going to really mess with him. He is, he just seems like a guy that is up there kind of almost like a perfectionist of like trying to do amazing. Like, I think his bar is amazing. Um, so this first week he did have a bit of an over streak, but let's look into those numbers a little bit because let's be honest, if you were watching the games, he didn't feel like he was slumping. Like he had, he had one game where he, where he struck out three times. And, and Pavetta looked maybe the best he'd ever like had in his career. Like he was unreal at night. He had no stuff, no hit stuff for a long time. Yeah. That was the best, you know, Pavetta performance all season. Um, but that was the first time Wanderers ever in his life. Uh, I mean, we don't, we, I, we don't have the stats of when he was like 10, uh, but like, I'd be willing to wager. That he probably he... did not strike out that. Yeah. Yeah. He probably took his uncle Willie deep on like, you know, backyard <laughs> cookout, just, you know, maybe he got two strikeouts. Not probably. Eric Ibar though. Eric Ibar could strike him out. Not Willie. He could hit <laughs> off a of Willie. Eric Ibar. Not so much. That's the thing. Yeah. So he has right now in his, his career after today, heading into the day off, he has an equal number of walks to strikeouts great for a 20 year old yeah he has 17 balls in play seven of which have gone for 95 miles an hour exit velocity or more so hard hit so a lot of those were outs right but you hit it hard and that's all you can do that's all you can control of the outs that he's made he has a 109.6 mile an hour fly out uh line out really uh and he has 107.4 mile an hour fly out again you just hit the ball hard and think good things will happen so he's hitting the ball hard about half the time he's walking as much as he's striking out uh he is getting into good counts and his speed has actually put him in a in a place where you you have things where one of the one of the such um loud outs uh, or uh, I should say loud errors was a an opposite field laced line drive that unfortunately uh, the the left fielder for the Angels Ward had a really rough series and he it just ricocheted off his glove but it would be a tough play he had to kind of go into a sprint he got there it bounced off the glove gave him an error but it drove in a run and he hit it really hard so there's that's an O for one if you want to count it like that but he came up and did what he was supposed to do. He also got another error of uh, forcing one from Kike Hernandez on a ground ball that he was busting it out of the box and using that speed to make Kike rush the throw. And he did, which led to another run. Wander's just playing really good. Like even, even in the slump, if you want to call it that, uh, he was putting in good at bats. And that's all you got to hope. You just put in the good at bats. You make hard contact. Eventually good things will happen. Did, did you notice... Like, obviously, Wander had that play that uh, was an error from, was that Kike Hernandez at second base for Boston? Mm-hmm. That he was uh, rushing, you know, sprinting down first base line. Randy was, like, all out sprinting down first base line um, all week long. Kiermaier had an infield single. 
Like there were a number of guys that were just absolutely busting it down, like down the line. Do you think Wander, like maybe I'm I'm probably over, overthinking this, but Wander coming up and this kind of like renewed sense of excitement coming out of a six game losing streak brought a different type of energy like to the team that's what it's what it looked like and, and maybe it's just because i watched the games a little bit closer this week but like there was a, a it felt like a, an increased sense of effort i mean i think this team has just got a lot of good vibes and yeah. i think they feed off of each other so if you do add another person that's just a uh an energy guy a guy that comes with that sense and, and that's something that again has been part of the scouting and it's been part of the coaching that everyone talks about is that like not only has Wander been blessed with all these gifts, and not only does he have a work ethic that he can harness these gifts into becoming such a amazing prospect, he is also an amazing teammate, like a top-notch, yeah. great clubhouse guy, great on the field, great in the dugout, like a guy that is the energy. Today, we got to see that on the, the Choi home run. Uh, we saw him catch Margot and try to hold him down for, for Brandon Lau to dunk him with the Gatorade. But Margot, too fast. He was too fast all game. He was dodging everything, you know, dodging the Red Sox, dodging uh, Lau. Um, he, he did the, he, he took over Willie's uh, place with the, right. the helmet thing. Wander already kind of just feels like a big part of this team, right? And it, and it kind of almost feels like when Randy came up last year, and it just became this like, man, that guy's really good. And I think you maybe have a sense, like not to say anything about the team, because like this team was also a, the best record in baseball and first place in the AL East. And they had a little bit of a, a road losing streak, which most of that was in extra innings, thanks to Rob Manfred's really dumb rules. So they, it's not like they were struggling bad team, but like you do raise your effort when you have another talented player, right? You, you see that like kind of just general competitiveness where you just are like, I want to also have fun and play really good. And so if somebody's having fun and you get engaged and you just, I think the team just really feeds off of that. Brett Phillips is a great example. Like he is, he is a guy who always is bringing good, positive energy to the team. Uh, he was in a slump, G-Man Choi good positive energy. He was in a slump. Like all of them, Wander, G-Man, and Brett Phillips all broke out of 0 for 15 or more slumps, but they were all putting in like good effort and they're all having fun. And that's the thing, right? You, I think with baseball, it is such a grind that if you don't have fun, the losing does take effect. But if you are having fun, okay, you can lose and it sucks, but then you can move on because it's still, you know, having that good time out there. You're having that energy and you're feeding off of each other's energy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we before we move on, I just got to talk like a little bit more about uh, my experience back at the shop. Like it was great. I I went and ordered at uh, the center field porch, which is still my favorite part of the ballpark. Uh, I went and got like a poke ball from Pacific Counter, and so I was the guy eating raw fish at the baseball game, uh, and it was delicious. And the only thing I gotta say is if you're anyone's going to a game, order like download the MLB Ballpark app and order your food on there. You will not have to wait in any lines. And you'll see all these other people waiting in the lines at the kiosks. You don't want to do that. You'll be able to go up there and pick up your food. Um, and I thought, you know, it was my first, like, I've been to a couple other sporting events um, since last March. Uh, but this one was like, the trap is like fully opened again um, in the lower bowl. Um, no social distancing, no masks required if you're, if you're vaccinated, even though there's no way to show that uh, you're vaccinated. 
Um, I, I thought they did a great job with it and I had a really enjoyable time and I can't wait to get back there. So uh, it was fun. It was fun to be back at the trop. So more recent news, Josh Fleming heads to the IL, another on the Rays long list of pitchers on the shelf. And for the time being, they're going to roll with a four man rotation and it makes a lot of sense with the off days. There's three off days in the next couple of weeks. And then after that, you go into the all-star break. Um, so right now, the guys in the rotation are Ryan Yarbrough, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, and Shane McClanahan. Darby, like, do you think this these four guys, with a number of different guys in the bullpen, I know Drew Rasmussen's up again, can get can piece this together to get to the All-Star break where you can kind of hit the reset button? You know, so initially when Fleming went down, and he he has, like, said that he doesn't think he's going to be on the IL for very long. So that's that's good news. I initially thought because Fleming's start coincided with a Luis Patino Durham start and Patino has been absolutely electric in Durham. He's now stretched out to five plus innings. I was thinking, okay, they'll just call up Patino to fill Fleming's spot for how long Fleming's out. But then looking at the schedule, I am starting to see like a lot of off days and you know, I'm not so sure. I think the next thing will be Friday after you have the Nats for two after a day off. Then you get a day off and then you got Toronto. Friday would be about Fleming's start. That could be Patino, but that would be extra rest. So I think we will find out. They are going to go a four-man rotation if we see Luis Patino on the off day start for Durham. That'll be the sign. If we see him skipped... I think you can expect that he's going to be called up and start Friday against Toronto. But looking at the schedule, I think it might be an opportunity to kind of do some mix and match. So many off days. When the Rays have off days, they get very creative and get very aggressive with their bullpen. And why shouldn't they? Their bullpen is very good. And you can really throw some some tough, um, kind of tough matchups at teams and kind of really put your guys in a great chance to win. So few games left before the all-star break enough off days i could see patino getting a start back but if fleming is only going to be on the il for missing one start they probably don't want to again upset the development side just to do a single game if they can keep everybody going if they can instead of of that kind of roll in with like mcclanahan and yarbrough and you know maybe rich hill towards the back end of the series yeah they might do that also, like, not that the Rays look into too much of one or two starts, but all of these guys that are in this four-man rotation right now have looked good over the last week. Ryan Yarbrough looked really good today. Shane McClanahan uh, looked good yesterday, even after what, like, with one really rough inning. I thought it was really cool to see the way he kind of bounced back and stayed in that game. Um, and that was a very frustrating inning because yes. he was not hit hard at all. Like, everything was really bad. It was just, like, fouled off, like... Uh, Otani uh, had a, a nice chopper that was just above G-Man. And then you had a bloop that just landed fair. Like that's three runs off of where the pitch wanted to be and got getting the contact you wanted to get. You got Otani hitting it on the ground. That's that's where you want him to go. Anything in the air, Otani's sending it out of the park. So you get it on the ground, up, oh, made a hit. You got Rendon busted in. What are you going to do? That's just, that's just baseball. So that was a good recovery from a mentally could be a very frustrating, like all of these bad hits, you know, getting the Babbitt dragons against you kind of like 
that can be very hard again, mentally on a younger pitcher to sort of be like, man, I'm getting the right pitches and everything is just like going for a hit right now. Real quick, the list of positive baseball things that the the Los Angeles Angels did this weekend that weren't directly impacted by the play of Shohei Otani can be counted on one hand. Like, yeah, it was a Gosselin hit a home run today. A Sandoval pitched okay, you know, for the first few innings. But everything else was just a direct influence of the performance of Shohei Otani, who looked incredible. And even even in the little rinky-dink hits that he got, he would get an extra base out of them. He would find ways to, like, stretch it out, and it's... Other than Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who's on the IL, and Anthony Rendon, who I still think will come good. He's been an MVP candidate each of the last two and maybe even three seasons. This is a really, really bad baseball team. They are the opposite of like the Rays in terms of the like some of their parts is better. They're some of the, they have three MVPs. Yeah. And they're utterly mediocre. They are like mediocre defined. It's it's so I feel bad for I feel bad for Trout and Otani. I don't feel bad for Rendon. You chose that. You you knew very well <laughs> what this team was and you signed a lot of money to go there. So whatever. Trout was staying local. I mean, he's trying his best. Uh, Otani, you know, you want to play with Trout. That made that seemed like good on. Hey, Otani could have came to the Rays. He had that choice too. <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I mean, Otani's amazing. He is incredible. Rendon's having a rough season, and Trout's injured, but Otani is on another planet, man. He is so good. Speaking of folk heroes, this this guy is incredible, and uh, you got to honestly, you just tip your cap, right? Like today, he had a triple on i mean you you maybe don't want to pitch to him uh ever and so there is an argument there that maybe cash should just intentionally walked him but but you do have Arendone behind him who is you know an mvp candidate last year so it's not like he's a scrub um but even then like springs made a pretty good pitch otani was able to get his hands inside on the ball and get it just down the line for a triple and then uh, Fairbanks, he like busted a perfect cutter in on him. I don't know how Otani went opposite field at 383 on an inside 95 plus mile an hour fast. He's just incredible. You just like tip your cap. You're just like, this is a, this is, this is no mere mortal out there. And you just go, wow, he, he's amazing. Uh, but yeah, the, the angels are utterly miserably boring, mediocre team. And Otani is, Otani and Trout are absolutely wasted on that franchise it's it's so it's it's very sad but i i try to watch them for them but like oof i you can't get through i can't watch another david fletcher at bat it's killing me (laughs) uh if joe madden was still the race manager he might have walked intentionally walked shohei otani every time this weekend it might have been one of the little gimmicks that he would pull it's like yeah we're just gonna put him on every single time uh for better or for worse and he might he might have to get the bonds treatment soon yeah, yeah, he's getting there. He no, it really is. It, he really is incredible. And I know these things are planned out like super far in advance. And I, I kind of tried to. I made a promise to myself a couple of years ago. I was no longer going to be the guy that complains about national media not respecting the teams that I root for. Uh, and, and it's definitely not something. This is definitely not a knock because, like I said, these things are decided way in advance. Uh, but what a great opportunity this would have been for Major League Baseball to put a game where Ronda Franco and Shohei Otani are playing against each other on national television. Again, like Fox and ESPN pick their national games or their regional games way in advance. Um, but you think, I don't know, maybe you throw in a YouTube game and make it open up, open it up for free access for everybody. I don't know how that works. 
Um, but it would have been a, a great opportunity because they were both super fun to watch this weekend, even though Wander uh, didn't get a hit in the series until Sunday. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then talk about how uh, the Rays are going to manage, uh, like we said, the injured list, which is really full right now, uh, going into the second half of the season. So we'll be right back. And we're back on Raise Your Voice talking about the Rays injured list. I think, uh, I don't know, I have to look at the uh, roster resource page for the Rays like every day to remember how many injuries they really are dealing with. And some they knew were going into the season. Yanni Torinos, Jalen Beeks, Colin Poche, like they knew they were going to be without those guys. Uh, but some of them happened in spring training and early on in the season. And right now they've got 11 players on the injured list. Uh, 10 of them are pitchers, only one position player, and that's Taylor Walls. And nine of those players are on the 60-day IL, which means they're not currently on the 40-man roster. Uh, the Rays have full, filled the 40-man roster most recently after the acquisition of, of Mike Ford and calling up and selecting the contract of Wander Franco. Uh, but I'm looking at this list right now. So let's go through the 60-day IL. You've got Chris Archer, Yanni Chirinos, Tyler Glasnow, Nick Anderson, Jalen Beeks, Oliver Drake, Colin Poche, Cody Reed, and Chaz Rowe. Now, the guys that are on that list that are out for the season, most likely, are Yanni Chirinos, Jalen Beeks, Colin Boucher, and Cody Reed, who had thoracic out outlet syndrome surgery. You've got still five guys that you expect to pitch at some point in 2021. Chris Archer, Tyler Glasnow, Nick Anderson, Oliver Drake, and Chaz Rowe. Like I said, the 40-man is full, so you, there's going to be need to be moves made. Now... Darby, like if, if you're looking at the 40 man right now, which two or three pitchers are the most uh, expendable in terms of you can just cut them loose. You're not worried about, you know, getting nothing in return for them. I mean, I, I think at the, on the bubble, and this is entirely the, the kind of luxury high class problems that the Rays have, because I think a lot of teams would, would kill to have the option of this, these people in their bullpen. Um, but I think you look at the list and I think uh, Poppin yep. is going to be near the bottom. I think he's a really interesting pitcher. I think we we actually talked a little bit about, or I, I know I was tweeting about him. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to be on a 40 man uh, of a deep team like this with so much talent, but he is somebody that somebody will pick up because he, I would take a chance on him. And, and real quick, looks and this is, this is no offense to anyone listening, but there's a lot of listeners, probably most listeners who don't know who Sean Poppin is. Like that's how at yeah. the bottom of the list he's at. He got, we got him in a trade with the pirates for, I believe it was, was it a cash considerations? Uh, like that, yeah. The pirates had DFA. Like the pirates should pick him up because I, have they seen <laughs> who they pitch? Like, come on, yeah. what are you doing over there? Um, so yeah, Poppin, I think is at the bottom. I think Ryan Sheriff is probably near the bottom of the list. Um, and I think he would be picked up. Like, I mean, like the Mariners could use him, The angels could use him. Uh, the Pirates could use something like there's a lot of teams that could use a Ryan Sheriff who has been proven to be able to get out uh lefties pretty well and he induces a lot of good soft contact. It's just when you have a guy like Oliver Drake back who is a righty but pitches in such a way that he actually has reverse splits and his release point comes out almost looking like a left hander. You can read the race bay out to find out <laughs> why that he's actually a lefty even though he throws right-handed. Um, when he comes back, I that kind of takes Ryan Sheriff's spot on the roster. And that's entirely just basically which of these two really good, like major league caliber relievers do you want? 
Um, I think you then are looking down the list and it, it, it's really tricky after that. I think you look at Mike Ford. He's the newest guy on the roster. Does he really have a place? Like, I do think there's a great opportunity there for him to come up against the Yankees and hit a clutch home run, <laughs> causing every Yankee fan to utterly implode uh, with like a dying star, which would be fantastic. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like who else, like in, if you look down the list of the major league bullpen right now for the Rays, who do you want to get rid of? You have Colin McHugh, definitely nope. Uh, Andrew Kittredge, the guy's like, I, I, maybe the most versatile, like he is the Swiss army knife of the pen. He's used so much. Uh, you have Jeffrey Springs, who's pitched really well. You have Ryan Thompson, who's pitched amazingly well. Matt Ryan Whistler. Marge Thompson. Ryan Marge Thompson. Yeah, Matt Whistler, who, who gave up a run for the first time, but like, again, fluky, because he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's really hard. Like, you get a guy like uh, like Whistler, who is like an expendable guy, you think. it was He was expendable for the, uh, the first to 50 win San Francisco Giants. Comes over here has been lights out. So you, you're not going to get rid of him. It's very tough. Like I'm looking down the list. I think, you know, other guys that are maybe on the fence, it's like Lewis head who's pitched really yeah. well. Uh, Chris Maza, who I don't think the Rays are going to get rid of that early. Like it's very, very tricky. I could though see the Rays. I think, I think they just trades are incoming, right? Like I, I think you saw that with Hunter Strickland who was pitching, pretty well for the Rays and but he was he was a bubble guy so they traded him and I think what you're going to see is as it gets down to that everybody wants relief everybody needs relievers like there's no team that couldn't add another reliever basically except for the Rays because they're going to add them via injured list so I think a guy like a Lewis Head or a maybe not Poppin but like definitely Sheriff maybe a Chaz Rowe like the, the, these guys, somebody is going to want to pick up the, that call from Eric uh, to, to say like, hey, do you want to look at the guy's number? Like Lewis Head is a guy that we're thinking of like potentially having a DFA in this scenario. And he hasn't really had a bad inning for the, like he's been fine. Like he's just of the guys, he's just a little lower down on the list, but he's been able to go one, two innings. I'm looking around the league and I'm seeing relievers who have no business being up there. And then the Rays are like, I, we're going to have to DFA guys that who are, you know, pitching much better than a majority of, of the back end of most teams bullpen. So it's, it's one of those, it's a great problem to have. It's high class problems. Um, but it is a, it is a crunch. Like it is going to be some really difficult spots to, to put them all in. Once Chris Archer comes back, like where do you fit in Luis Patino who is lighting it up? You, who's who else is like forcing the 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 hand we've already seen drew rasmussen come up pitch flawlessly get sent down because there's no space and then be called back up again still pitch flawlessly like he's he's still crushing it so like he's gonna probably get options when fleming or walls comes back but like he's still probably maybe the one of the three best stuff guys in the raised bullpen if not the best stuff yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, once these guys start to come back, you'll probably see a DFA of a guy like Poppin or a Ford or a Brasso, but you'll also probably see a trade of a like a Brasso or maybe even a Padlow for lottery ticket prospects 
or a player to be named later or non-cash considerations. You're, you're going to see some of those with probably a name. Like there were trades that the Rays have had in the past or DFAs that they've done in the past where they've, they've caught the fan base off guard. I remember like Ian Jabot, who we kind of saw as one of these other pitching prospects that's coming up with Colin Poche that's going to be a high leverage reliever in the near future. And the Rays DFA'd him and they ended up shipping him off. Uh, to Texas, but like if Kevin Padlow gets DFA'd and then traded for nothing, like that's one of those moves that that wouldn't shock me as we head into July, and those roster spots on the forty man become more valuable. And I also do think there's going to be a big name or two off the active roster that's also moved, uh, really to just kind of solidify playing time for everybody. In the, in the, Okay, let me take that. Let me walk that back a little bit. Like the Rays are never going to be like, okay, we can't have anybody that's threatening our starting nine. Like they're, they're they never operate in that way. Um, but in, in in terms of making room, because we still think Vidal Brujan, we're going to see him in the big leagues at some point this year. Like there definitely yeah. needs to be a trade. But with the way the roster is currently constructed to to make room for Vidal Brujan, if it's going to be worth him playing the big leagues, if not, stick keep him in AAA for the rest of the season. So whether that be one of the three center fielders. Kiermaier, Phillips, and, or, and Margot, and honestly, the most valuable of those, if the Rays are looking for a return, is going to be Manuel Margot. Do you look in the infield where you've got uh, Joey Wendell, who's still his first year of arbitration, having maybe the best year of his career? Uh, Brandon Lau, who's got several years on a very, very team friendly contract. He's starting to heat up at the plate. Like, you're going to see a big name, most likely traded one, maybe two. And then you're also going to see a guy like Mike Brasso, who are just months away uh, removed from his big home run against the Yankees who might get DFA'd or traded for like a 19 year old left-handed pitcher uh, from Pennsylvania. Like the, the, those are moves that uh, if that, that are going to happen in every big league season, I, I just don't think uh, any of them, any of them would really shock me at this point. And they could happen any day. Like Brandon Lau could be traded tomorrow. I, I think it's one of those things where there's, I think you can, you can talk about, Wander Franco is not leaving the team. He's not being traded. And <laughs> yeah. then the list probably stops there in terms of who I'm sure, like Tyler Glasson is not going to be traded. Um, one, because he's injured. So we know, like, I'll just say that. So those two, <laughs> those are the two that I know and probably are not going to be traded. Probably Randy, but like, he's, like a, he's at 98%, 98%, right? <laughs> but like, the thing is with the race are that they, the right price comes around and suddenly people are are tradable right like you can you could trade i think probably mike zunino is also not getting traded because yeah etching is incredibly difficult well, or mejia yeah i don't i think mejia and zunino might also be right there with wander in terms of I've, the most unmovable of like like you have to keep them we talked about like because there was like when, when tyler glass now got hurt everyone's like well this is the injury that hurt the rays the most and i'm honestly like i don't know if mike zunino went down like i'd be a lot more concerned about like the rays total number of wins at the end of the season than with if if they're without Gla, uh, Zanino than they are without Glass now like at the catching position I think either of those guys especially because like you traded your next man up in Ronaldo Hernandez who was like there last year and you look at AAA and it's Joseph Odom they got Davey Gruen back and Brett Sullivan I don't really think yep. they want like any of those guys enough to put them in the big leagues as there's nobody on the 40 catcher. man roster so you'd have to actually then make a cut of the 40 man yeah. roster which we already are talking about is so hard to cut to then get a catcher to just fill in so, so the mount rushmore yeah. of untradables is wander <laughs> randy mike zanino and francisco mejia 
There you go. That's the list. That's where I'm the Eric Neander picks up the phone and is like, okay, these four, no. And then <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, but it's true. Like everybody, everybody's available in terms for the right price. Um, but like I, there is a, there is a tricky thing. So, I mean, I think like if you look down the list, Joey Wendell does a, does a, does another team like Joey Wendell as much as the Rays value Joey Wendell. Um, same thing with like Kiermaier or Brett Phillips or Margot. And that's, that's where it becomes really tricky because then it's a, ma- a battle of does the Rays front office give in and decide to trade a Kiermaier or a Wendell for less than they believe they're worth? Or does another team finally say like, I cannot take the center field production I need like this guy's a platinum glove center fielder I, I'll take I'll, I'll do it or like our infield's a mess but th- but Joey Wendell can play above league average or better defense at third base shortstop and second base and he can even like fake it in the outfield if you need to I'm gonna pull the trigger I'm gonna I know I'm gonna get clown because I'm gonna give up somebody and then in five years the raise he's gonna be like starting not he's the number two starter and he's got a wipeout slider and everyone's gonna like say like oh i can't believe you traded him for joey wendell but like you you make moves to win games now and you also make moves to win later it's it's the way baseball works and so that's gonna be the thing is will the rays have to give up some of the value that they believe that these players have or will the other team's gm decide to like hold it and it's really tricky i mean i think like you look at a guys like padlo Ford and Brasso in the minors all are kind of replaced on the active roster by better players. Right. But, but those better players bring back more. So maybe you take a prospect and a Lau or you take a Kiermaier and you package him with a big time prospect. And suddenly you can bring back one piece for the 40 man one piece for maybe later that that can help you now in a different way you shift the value from you know position player to pitching or pitching to position player or starting to bullpen and similar to what they did with like willie adonis you know they they traded a very good shortstop who's been great for for milwaukee um but everything that that willie has done so far with milwaukee there's i think zero regret at all in the Rays front office because they they know that Willie's great, but Drew Rasmussen and JP Fireisen feel a bigger need for the Rays right now. And both have been incredible so far. So like it's one of those ones where like that's a win-win trade. Hopefully, hopefully that will showcase some other GMs be like, listen, it's not all the Chris Archer to the Pirates trades. You can also, we can both win here. Like this, this guy's a good player. We just have too yeah. many good players. Like, let's do that. Like it's not all, oh, like the Rays trade one player get four all-stars and then that player back within like three years. So like, that's, that's a very, that's an outlier. You can trade with the Rays. It's okay. They won't, it won't be a disaster always just come on, (laughs) trade with them, pick up the phone. The other thing is uh, regarding the trade market. I don't know. I'm looking at the standings right now and I'm pretty confident about how every division is going to finish except for the AL East. Like I think the White Sox, I know the, uh, that Cleveland's hanging around. I don't think they're going to be able to hang around that long, especially with the pitching injuries they're dealing with. The Astros look incredible this season. Maybe the best team in baseball. Uh, the the A's just aren't going to 
catch, catch them. I don't think this year. The Mets, even though they started off a little, the, the Mets reversed it. Usually they start out hot. They win 20 out of their first 30 to 35 games. They look like they're going to go to the World Series, and then they just completely bottom out. This year, started out rough. Now they're in first place with a four-game lead. The Brewers and Cubs in the Central is pretty close, and the Reds are kind of hanging around there too. Uh, but I think the Brewers pitching kind of puts them through. And then the NL West, which is like really weird right now that the Giants are the first team in the big leagues to get the 50 wins. And I still think the Dodgers are going to win that division health, uh, like with a healthy lead. And the Padres are there too. Um, so maybe the NL West and the AL East are the only two divisions where I really like it's, it's kind of up in the air. The Rays are going to ha- have to maybe wait if you want to be able to move a guy like Kiermaier for more than just a lottery ticket for someone to get really desperate. I think that's what they were waiting for this offseason. To trade him, yeah, you had you had to wait and see where Jackie Bradley Jr. ended up, and see if you know one of the teams that missed out on JBJ would go out for KK. That didn't happen, or at least you know maybe maybe the talks happened and it never came to fruition. I think that's what the Rays are going to maybe wait and see on this July, uh, because right now it's like who is going to really go out there and aggressively try to get Kevin Kiermaier? I, I think the list is pretty small. Um, real quick, before we talk about, we're going to finish the show talking about All Star voting as we head into phase two of that, uh, which is really of no interest to Rays fans. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, let's look at the July schedule. So they wrap up June, two games on the road against uh, Washington. Then in July, you get the Blue Jays for three, Cleveland for three, Blue Jays for another three before going into the All-Star break. On the road to Atlanta, you host Baltimore. You go on the on the road to Cleveland for four games before wrapping up the month against the Yankees and Red Sox. I think this is a month that the Rays can rack up quite a few wins. You get the Blue Jays for six. You get the Orioles for three. Uh, Atlanta's not looking great. You do play seven games against Cleveland, who's been playing good baseball. But like I said, uh, their pitching is is very depleted at this point. Like, I would like to see the Rays with a lead at the end of the... Again, I'm not, I don't want to talk in absolutes, but I'd like to see the Rays with an AL East division lead at the end of this month because... They're playing some very mediocre teams for most of this stretch. Yeah, and the Yankees in too. Yeah, it's another like floating around five right. five hundred team that you can just beat exactly. up. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's super easy. Look at Boston did. They 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 played the Rays. <laughs> it was really tough. They they lost two out of three, and the other one was in extras. But then they got the Yankees, and it was the morale you know, nice boosting New York off. Yankees. Yeah, they come to town, and it's just like boom, knock them right. out. Exactly. Um, yeah, Garrett Cole, easy, just knock them out of the park. Um, no, I. Listen, it's it's just a very funny cycle that base, baseball is in right now where it's like every week it's either the Yankees are amazing, they're back, or the Yankees are the worst team in baseball. And I think what that shows is that they are a 500 club. Um, anyway, so looking at this list, you do have a, uh, uh, a, a list of Toronto can be dangerous, um, right. but the Rays have played Toronto well. Like, again, this is the, what I think you're getting at here is that you're not seeing any team that is, you're not seeing the Astros on this list. You are not seeing the White Sox on this list. You are not seeing the Dodgers, the Padres. You're not going to see them at all, but you're not going to, you're not seeing division. You're not seeing those teams that are like, wow, that is stake the claim. Number one, you know, not the Giants, not the Dodgers, not the the, the Padres, not the White Sox, not the Astros. Everything else from that. I think are in the Rays category, right? So like they, those top teams are always scary because it's like that White Sox series was a really good series. The Rays lost uh, the series, but it was, yeah, 
that was just that's a that's a playoff preview. I said it before. That could be an ALCS preview. I stand by it. And if we do get an ALCS of that, that's going to be seven incredibly nerve wracking games for <laughs> Chicago and, and Tampa Bay fans. But for everybody else, that's like that's going to be great baseball. Right. Um, the battle of new school versus the old, 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 old school, uh, <laughs> but with new school players fun. Um, I, you look at this lineup and you're like, okay, these are all teams that the Rays are as good or better than that. That's just what it is. Baseball. It's hard to sweep teams. You, you win two out of three and that's pretty good. I think you look down the list and I think the Rays can win two out of three, two thirds of the games in the month of July. If they do that, they're in a great spot. If they do better than that, they're, they're I think, going to be the favorites to win the division coming out of July. If they do worse than that, I think they're we're in a going to be in a dogfight the rest of the season. I think that's that's where I stand on it. I'm, I'm not going to go as so far as to say I need to see them uh, leading the division by X number of games, but I do think two-thirds. You also can't control what Boston's going to do in their month of July, besides the last two games. Of the month. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like The Rays lost, uh, what, seven in a row – and they had held the division lead except all all the way up until the very last one. Right. Right. So like, so that's, that's, you can lose all those games and you still have the division lead. And then they've won everything except for two games this week. And then they lost the division lead because Boston, yeah. again, beat up on the Yankees. So it is what it is. So you take care of your own business. If you win two thirds of your games, I think you're in a good spot. And that's what, if I'm looking at this list, that's where I'm at. But uh, you know, that's not to say that they should steamroll all these teams, but the Rays have been playing competitive baseball. And so I think two thirds, anything less than that would be disappointing. Like it's yeah. straight up would be. Yeah. Cause I expect, you know, you hope for a sweep or two and somewhere on this list. So you know, the other thing to look at is from now, uh, the day of recording, uh, and this will come out on one of those off days, but from now until the trade deadline, the Rays have Four off days plus the all-star break, which gives you four, another four off days. So another eight off days between now and the end of the, and, and the trade deadline, the end of July with, even with the pitching injuries. And we expect Fleming to be a, a short stay. They always say that, but it ends up being like two or three weeks anyway. So we'll see. Uh, Glass now is going to be out for this month, but even with those injuries, the Rays have an opportunity to really set up their pitching staff the way they, the way they like against, you know, set up the matchups against some of these teams. You're going to see Luis Patino uh, maybe full-time at some point this month. But, like, say somebody you want to call up on the 7th, you could option down, and by the time you're playing games again, the 10 days have passed, and you can bring them right back up uh, to the big league squad. So they have they have a really good opportunity, I think, here to play the matchups they want, to, to set up the games they like, and to really space out the pitching, give some guys some rest. They went really hard on the innings for guys like Glassnow and uh, Rich Hill um, early on in the season. They've they've already started to take a step back. That was even before the Glassnow injury. You saw the Rays kind of they gave him an extra off day one uh, one time through the rotation. Like they were being more careful with him. I think they're going to continue that this month because once you get through July, and I still expect it to be a very tight division race um, going into August. That's when it's full steam ahead, and maybe you have an addition or two at some point. This month, you know, the Rays are going to go and get Max Scherzer uh, at some point so he can slot into the rotation. Uh, but ultimately, I think this is a great opportunity uh, to 
to continue playing winning baseball. You don't have a stretch where it's like, okay, maybe they go on the road and lose two out of three to Atlanta coming out of the all-star break. And oops, all of a sudden you lose one of the Orioles, maybe two. Uh, but overall, I think there's enough games in here to pick up the wins that, that the Rays need to, to stay right up there at the top of the AL East. Uh, I did mention that all-star break. And we're going to talk about all-star voting right after one more quick break. And we're back on Raise Your Voice. Darby, phase one of all-star voting has concluded. That's right. Phase one, they have Major League Baseball split it into two phases this year, uh, which means that the top three vote-getters or nine vote-getters for the outfield will move on to phase two in a runoff election to determine who starts at each position uh, come the All-Star game in a few weeks. Uh, unfortunately for the Rays and for Rays fans, no Ray made it to phase two. Uh, let's discuss and let's raise our voices about kind of uh, how this went down. And I'm sure there's, there has to be at least one Ray All-Star. I think there'll be multiple, two, three, maybe four. Uh, but let's talk about the voting process uh, and, and, and how the, the how tricky fan voting can get. So I think MLB looked at the uh, New York ranked choice mayoral race and we're like, we can do worse. I, I know <laughs> people are saying that's that's a mess. We can do worse. Um, we're MLB. Uh, yeah, this phase process is going to be so weird because like you have like everybody voting for like that's that guy should be an all star. And then now like the third place person could just totally like snake it right here. So right now, immediately when I'm looking at the all star game, he, Fan vote, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's for the fans. This is a meaningless, just fun game. And I get it. I get it. Fans should let whatever players, even if they're not having a statistically great year, you don't have to jump into the numbers. You don't have to look at the F war to see who's the best. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's really stupid. It's really silly because all-star appearances do matter to some people. It matters in, in the bank accounts of these players. Yeah. It comes up in arbitration. It comes up in free agency. It shouldn't. Being an all-star, especially when they give out one to every team regardless, shouldn't matter. These are mid-season awards too. These are, these, this is a mid-season. Yes. This is a mid-season award that will come up with an agent and it will come up with a team and it will matter in a... Not, Hall of Fame discussions. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it it's if if it's meaningless, it's meaningless. If it matters, it matters. And this is this weird like bastardization of both, where it like it matters, but it really doesn't. But it kind of yeah. does, but it doesn't at all. And that's where it's annoying because it's like the Rays are one of the five best teams in baseball this year they've been that for the entirety of the year they've been the best team in baseball for about a month as well like they they have been right at the very top of everything and they do not have a representative even close in any of the voting and that's because they're a a small to mid-tier market and so you are going to have larger markets when I look at the list, you have clearly one of the biggest things because one, I'm obsessed with Mike Zunino. I've been fighting on this hill for, for many years now. And finally, finally, I have some help. Finally, I have ammunition. Finally, I can actually say, hey, Mike Zunino is good. Look at all these home runs. Look at his, his, uh, his slugging. 
he's great. And he didn't even come into the top three in the AL catcher race. He should be the starting catcher for the all-star game by the numbers, by offense, by defense. He should be the starting catcher. You have Salvador Perez. I get it. He's a, he's a no name. He's having a great year. He's in the top 10 in the league in terms of, of catcher war. I get it. Uh, yes. Monty Grandal. He's having a really weird year and I love it. He doesn't get any base hits. His batting average is like zero, but his on base percentage is through the roof. It's, the strangest year. I love it. It's fantastic. It's, it's really great. And then Martin Maldonado. What? A rep- he's replacement level. Literally. He has a 56 WRC plus. So he's basically batting 50% worse than the league at catching uh, amongst all catchers. He is uh, pretty decent defensively, but not even having a, as great a year as he normally does defensively. He has a 0.0 F war. He is a exactly at replacement level catcher. Yeah. So Mike Zunino, who is second in the American League, sixth in all of baseball amongst catchers at 2.1 F war, is below him. Sean Murphy, who is number one in the American League, at 2.2 is below him who's hitting better than him who's defending much better than him even gary sanchez the much maligned in new york i've always liked gary but yankee fans have really detested him for like so long and it's always been very weird but gary sanchez he belongs in there over martin maldonado martin maldonado does not he's like the only astro that doesn't deserve to go to the all-star game like every like you could pick everybody else on that team they're amazing why did you pick the one guy that doesn't belong there? Like, just like, what are you doing? What are you He's doing? Not even the fans? most valuable catcher on that Astros roster. Jason Castro has been worth half a win above replacement. Has a three seventy on base percentage in seventy four plate appearances. Uh, <laughs> that's Garrett Stubbs also has the same F four as Martin Maldonado at zero at a big goose egg. Uh, in his 20 plate appearances. And I get it. Martin Maldonado's played a bunch. He's got over 200 plate appearances. I mean, I don't get it. Um, but you look Brett, at... you have the same F4 as Martin Maldonado. Uh, so do you. You have Brett. the same we ones. To, uh, listeners, dear listeners, we are all you, level. You too can be a, the, uh, the, in, the, in the running for the second phase of All-Star AL catchers. And, and that's it, not to say that, that, this, that All-Star voting, and we've talked about this, like, also, everybody shouldn't just be based on, okay, these three are the highest in F4. You go through. I believe it was Tommy Pham that was that said um, all-star starters should be decided purely on WRC+. Plus. I think you have a point there, Tommy. But I will Tommy's also say best. to that, on the all-star ballots, which are all online now, which I think kind of takes a lot of the fun away from fan voting. As a kid, I loved going to the game. They would hand you a ballot. You would punch it in and you would put it in a slot like you would vote in an election. And it felt cool. You felt like, okay, I'm not going to get to vote unless I'm at the game. Obviously, just like in any other, you know, except for uh, you cannot vote in an election online. Everything else has shifted into this virtual landscape where you can vote five times a day, every day on Google. You don't even need to, I think you just have to put in your name and your email address. You can vote five times. Boom, boom, boom. It has turned into, okay, who's just getting the most votes, especially when they show you I believe three or four stats on the all-star ballot. You get batting average, home runs, and OPS. 
which are okay, fine. You want to make quick decisions. There is no mention of defense, not even the, the not even fielding percentage, which is a troublesome stat to begin with, but that would make things even a little bit easier. You're you're just automatically discrediting discrediting defense. And with this phase voting, like you said, Martin Maldonado, hell yeah, if I was an Astros fan, I'd be voting for him like crazy every day too. That would be a huge meme if Martin Maldonado ended up starting mm-hmm. in the All-Star game for the American League. And it could feasibly happen. He's on a level playing field right now with, with Salvador Perez and who also got on there? And Yasmin um, Grandal. Grandal. Yeah. Like Sean Murphy yeah. has been left like left off the list completely. And at this point, he might not even make the team. He might not even make the team as a bench catcher. Kevin Cash is making the decisions. I think I think Mike Zanino. I, I, there is what how is the bench determined completely? Do you know it? I know the manager of the team gets a say, but there's also some player <laughs> I never, I, I'm always struggling with this. I think there's like a player's vote as well that like factors in. And, and this year sure we're getting like the final vote where it's like three guys, you vote one of them in, onto the team. I know that's been a thing. MLB has been past. doing that. Yeah. So MLB has been doing that, which is like a, like a final, like kind of catch all like last spot thing. So that's good. I, it, I think there is a player section. It's like all weighted depending upon like fan vote as well as, players and then like coaches kind of select sort of the last little and bit. pitching is completely determined by uh the, the coaching staff i think and some player voting but there's a lot of changes mm-hmm. with that with guys that pitched the day before the all-star break are not going to appear in the game there's and, gonna be injuries and, and that's always like i feel like the that's the most stressful and worst part being the all-star manager is seems like a terrible job because you basically you're, you're a every team yeah, your babysitter and every team is like basically like calling you and texting you, being like, "Hey, uh, don't um, like don't put my player in a bad position, but also don't maybe don't even use them. Like maybe just I don't know, <laughs> or maybe you do have to use them because he really needs it. But like, like pitchers, like oh, get him out of there, get him out of there. Just like don't 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 pitch him. Like uh, right. like it's it's like, are you using them too much? Like it's it's like oh, I want to use them to like win the game, but then it's like, why do you why do you use my pitcher? Is this you trying to like use my guy up? Like is it? It seems like a lose-lose situation no matter what you do. Um, so I really do hope, though, that Kevin Cash pulls every pitcher mid-inning. Just the Except entire Garrett time. Cole. Except for Garrett Cole. Eight strong. He's going to, yes. <laughs> and Kevin Cash can say, listen, y'all clown me for pulling snap. <laughs> yeah. So you know what, Cole? Nine. Oh. You're, you're getting complete game, Garrett Cole. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> grind it out 170 pitches. This is a throwback Whitey Ford performance, Yankee <laughs> legend. Let's go. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, right? Like, you know, it's it's the fact that it's mid season. This this is like one of the few all star games, and because it's a grind sport, it's like pitchers, like before Glasnow got hurt. I obviously wanted him to be like the starter. Like I wanted him to have that experience, but I also didn't want him to throw a single pitch in the game. This who I, as a fan would love to watch Fernando Tatis Jr. And Vlad Guerrero Jr. Swing in the home run derby, but somebody did this stat. It's about 700 swings that you do. If you, if you were to win the, the, the tournament, it's roughly on average about 700 swings. I would not want to see my batter have to swing 700 times in a exhibition 
event. In which like, they're only I chance to, to rest. rest in the season. Like this is like besides off days, this is the only day time you're gonna have more than a day off consecutively in the season. And and so while I just had a nice long angry rant, I maybe Mike Zanino could use like some time off with his family, right? And just rest the legs. Don't bend or squat for any reason, Mike. Don't do it. Nothing. I, I think he's got, he, he has just a baby so that the baby can't do much, but like you can maybe have the baby reach under stuff instead of you don't reach right. down for anything. Yes. Send the baby in. That's how that's, they got to learn young. Right. I think it's under, two, I think it's only a year old. So it probably won't be very <laughs> helpful, but it doesn't matter. Don't you go down there. Just everything is just standing or sitting or laying. That's it. Only above no bending of the knees. It's a weird place, right? Like the football is, obviously an outlier when it comes to their all-star game. Cause it's like a contact sport and nobody wants to like violently hit other players when they're just like on vacation, basically basketball works because you can do skill competition. It's not like something that will like grind you down. But even in that we've seen players be like, I just want the rest, man. Like this is yeah. tough. This is really tough. And we're going hundred percent and like, I, I want the recognition, but also like, I want the recognition for the Rays. I want to see him there. And I, and I do want to see like more people, like more people get to appreciate like Randy Rosarena. And I want to see more people appreciate that Mike Zunino is having a fantastic year. And I want to see them, Mike Zunino say like, I'm an all-star. I deserve some more money because I earned that place. And yet I also want them to rest because I want to beat the Red Sox and I want to beat the Yankees and I want to beat the Blue Jays and I want the Rays to win the AL East. So it's a very, it's a weird dichotomy. Like I want to see every Ray make the all-star team, but also I want them all to have a great rest. So make the team and then Kevin Cash don't play anybody. That's kind of why I wish. And last year I was, I, I was kind of disappointed that Major League Baseball at the end of the season didn't name an all-star team or even have all-star voting based on the 60 game regular season. I think that was a really good opportunity. One from, for me, it's more of like a, a, a thing that just bothers me irrationally. Like I'm going to look at Mike Trout's baseball reference page and see all-star, all-star, all-star. Nope. Not in 2020 all-star, 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 assuming he makes it this year, uh, even with the injury. Um, so that was just like a, a weird thing for me, but I, I, I do wish, I know they started doing an all MLB team, but I would appreciate if they even just did, a first team all American league, first team all national league, maybe even second team in each. Uh, there's another way to just recognize at the end of each season. Okay. This guy was the best second baseman in his league, or this, these were the top three pitchers in their leagues at the end of the season. Um, as another way to where it's not, doesn't feel like this exhibition game where you feel forced to play um, other than Mike Zanina. Well, okay. Here's first thing I got to say is you mentioned the New York mayoral race. How about rank, ranked choice voting in the All-Star game? And I know that would make the ballot a lot more tough and time-consuming to fill out. But say maybe I can pick, I fill out my ballot, I can pick three catchers that I like in order. Three third basemen that I like in order. Because maybe I like Mike Zanino a lot, and someone else just kind of likes Mike Zanino. They think maybe he's the third best catcher in the American League. Now all of a sudden Mike Zanino's uh, garnered enough points, voting points, to get into this phase two rather than just have... Uh, everybody pick who they think is their number one catcher uh, because apparently a lot of people think Martin Maldonado is the best catcher in the American league. Well, and maybe that would actually almost help because you, because like, I, so I come in as a race fan, but also as a baseball fan. So like, I really do want to see 
Yasmani Grandal in the All-Star game because I think he's having a really cool, unique season. But I'm not going to – I have to vote for Mike Zunino because I know nobody else will. I want to exp- I want to explain to my my dad uh, and my grandfather. No offense to you guys, I know you're listening. Uh, why Yasmani Grandal, who's batting a buck fifty or a buck sixty, why he's in the All Star game and why he's deserving to be in the All Star game? He has a twenty five percent walk rate to a twenty six percent K rate. It's so stupid. He still has a twenty five. He walks once out of every four times without fail. It's been two hundred and twenty plate appearances. It's incredible. And he's having a pretty good defensive season too for for him. He's 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 getting good framing. It, here's the thing: I, maybe ranked choice would help. I did like. I think uh, was it was it Jamal uh, who said who like tweeted out like a, a stats versus like fans. Yes. yes. So like you could have I so Jamal Wilberg uh, uh, who who's been on the show here uh, before and and and, and uh, you know all all over D Ray's Bay. Uh, I kind of almost think he needs to to write up this as like a as a full petition uh, to MLB because I think it's a really good idea um, to have a you know like fan vote, stat cast vote, like the stats, the nerd, the nerd team, you know, the like who, and then kind of sort of showcase like okay, who is having a great season according to. Maybe we you could have a, like a, a powwow of people to be like, who, what are the stats that we choose? What advanced metrics do we choose to select who is the best? Um, who who deserves to be there? And then you could have this like interesting team. And then you could have hopefully a broadcast that could discuss uh, like, wow, you know, this player, you know, he's only batting. Let's keep going with Yasmani Grandal. He's only batting. We've only talked about the catchers in this whole segment, but that's okay. It's because it's the only one that's interesting because that's the one that the Rays are actually aggrieved on. Like that's the one place where it's like, okay, yes, definitely we should have had that. Uh, Yasmani Grandal has only a 416 slugging. That's not great. It's fine. He has a 174 batting average, but his on-base percentage is basically equal to his slugging. He's just constantly getting on base. And that would be an interesting like debate. Or you could have a talk about like framing. Like Mike Zunino has 16 home runs, but that's not even the best thing that Mike Zunino does. He's one of the best pitch framers in the game. He knows how to work with like, I feel like there's an interesting thing here to be like, who is the best first baseman under advanced metrics and who is the fan's favorite first baseman? And I feel like you'd have, the, the hardest thing would be overlap, right? But I think that would be an interesting like debate to be like who who gets there and then you know they play a game and see who wins. Who cares? <laughs> who cares what happens? And then and then the the all fan voted team wins and everybody decries that uh, <laughs> stats are dead and that's what's killing baseball. Yes, uh, that would that would for sure happen. Um, yeah, ultimately, I don't know. I I, I think the Ray. I think Zanino is going to be an all star. Like I do think that. I think he'll get picked to be on the bench. Uh, unless Cash just wants to pick the two guys that lost in phase two. I just don't I don't see that happening. Um I, I expect it'll be Salvador Perez and then two out of the three that, that group being Sean Murphy, Mike Zanino, and Yasmani Grandal. Two of those guys getting in. Um, you know, maybe Gary Sanchez has a crazy hot next week or a week and a half and he gets picked. Um, who knows? But I think I think out of all the rays, well, they've got to have one. Mike Zanino is the most likely. You've also got Joey Wendell. I think Tyler Glass now might still get selected because he's an easy one to just select and you can replace him on the roster immediately. Um, other than that, maybe Randy Rosarena. 
Um, maybe Austin Meadows, less likely, but they're going to be up there. Um, but I would say Zanino and Glass now are the most likely, and then anyone else that gets on is is a bonus. I, I know that Kevin Cash loves Joey Wendell. He loves all of his players, but he loves Joey Wendell a lot. So maybe Joey Wendell Joey would be a on. fun. That would be a great. I want Joey Wendell in the All Star game because that, that's the thing, right? That's the guy. That is the type of guy that belongs in the All Star game as like somebody who, you know. The raw numbers are actually pretty good this year. Like he's having a fantastic year, but yeah. like he also is this guy that can play all over the field and is that versatility. And it would mean more to Joey Wendell going into his second arbitration year that he was an all-star than somebody else who's having a like right. so-so year by their standards. And Tyler uh, or Joey Wendell, if he's going to be an all-star, this is probably the year. I'm not saying that Joey Wendell's like incapable of performing this way you know, in season in future seasons, but this could be the best he's ever going to play. Uh, so if he's going to make an all-star team, th- th- this could be the year to do it. And it- it's going to be interesting. And yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rays only have one or two. Like it's not something that it's also not something I'm worried about. I'm a little upset for them because I think there's plenty of players deserving. Um, but we'll ultimately just have to see how it plays out. Any other final thoughts on, on all-star voting on the whole selection process? Uh, I think the home run derby will be fun and the all-star game is going to be kind of like a weird, boring mess as it always is, but the home run derby three players confirmed, right? Otani, Mancini and Pete Alonso. So you've got Shoei Otani, who is maybe the biggest name, like hottest name in baseball right now. You've got uh, Pete Alonso defending his title and you've got Trey Mancini, who has had an incredible comeback story. The lock comeback player of the year. The absolute lock comeback player of the year. He was that if he set foot in the field and did nothing, but he's had a fantastic year uh, so far. So that's three really interesting storylines already in the home run derby. Like I know Vlad already said no, and everyone wanted to see Vlad versus Otani. Tati said no. Tati Tati said no, no. which makes sense. Um, In terms of like the home run derby is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be exciting. And the three guys you got, there's a storyline with each of them. Uh, to make it really exciting already with just Absolutely. those three. And there's some really other interesting names that have been up there. Uh, Adelise Garcia has said he yeah. wants to be in there. 20 home runs. That would be really rookie. fun. I'd love to see him in there. Yeah. Uh, older rookie Cardinals been, outfield I've factory. saying Mike Zanino. Like if he could, like he might be one of the, he's probably not going to be one of the first guys that gets asked, but they could get to a point where it's like, Hey, Mike, That'd be Zanino, fun. Like he could, he could hit some baseballs. In, and in he has Denver. hit some absolute tanks right. this year. That would be fun to see in Denver, right? Like groove fastballs. Let's see what, what Zanino can do with those. Yeah. I, I think there's some other fun ones. I heard Gallo was, was in a maybe category. That would be very fun. Obviously, He's never done one, right? Ones. I don't believe he, I don't believe he has. Um, I have not, I don't remember it. If he did, it was a, a mediocre showing, but uh, I mean, I like, I don't even care if they ask Daniel Vogelbach. Like I just want absolute mammoth shots in course field. Whoever can hit yeah. them, get them into that home run derby. I don't care who it is. Uh, and I, I think it's, I, I mean, I think already we're already like Pete Alonso is the defending champ. Obviously Mancini is a great story, but like Otani, that's what people want to see. What Otani yeah, can that could do. be historic with some thinner air as well like my god and, and they better use the juice, juiced ball get the juice those ball. balls every triple a ball let's get it up here let's get them up yeah let's, definitely has yeah, to be done let's have to, to the moon to the moon 100 <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for this week's episode of raise your voice uh, thank you to darby for hopping on thank you for listening and as always make sure to head on over to draisebay.com to check out all of the great coverage uh, once again thank you guys for listening and i'll talk to you next week